Welcome to Triangle 411, the pulse that moves the Triangle world today. It's a vibrant collection of stories, medical breakthroughs, what's trending, social good, events, and boundless other adventures. A conversation pit of comedians, authors, chefs, sports figures, experts, the common and the uncommon. Here's the host of Triangle 411, Mary Innsbrucker. Hi, friends. She's here, and she's famous, having been featured as an expert for CBS, NBC, ABC, Fox, Steve Harvey, HBO's Real Sports, The New York Times, Cosmos, and phew, many other outlets. She is Christmas Abbott. Welcome, Christmas. Oh, man. Thank you for that intro. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you you know, you've you've got the creds, that's for sure. And in <laughs> fact, you you've lived a very storied life. In fact, I wouldn't be surprised to see a biopic about you one day. <laughs> who who would you want to play that. you? <laughs> oh man, I don't know. That would be I can't even wrap my head around that. I know, <laughs> I know. Not yet, but I'll I'll put it in consideration. I'm going to manifest it now that uh, you brought it up. Okay. <laughs> So I should start at the beginning, which which we will get to eventually, from your competitions to your pit crew to where you are today. But I would be remiss not to start with one of your experiences right out the gate, and that's your Big Brother experience. So, oh, yeah, there's been two of those. <laughs> two of those, yeah. And I'm sure you can tell us all the behind the scenes. Like, is the, is the show scripted? Oh, man. So... What's interesting about Big Brother and a lot of these other reality shows, but Big Brother specifically, is that technically it's a reality show. Production doesn't get involved. We're, we do and say what we feel or want or don't want to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and what's interesting is that we are in a controlled environment. We are in this one area that we can't leave with 15 other strangers, usually. And, you know, we're competing every week to kick somebody out so the last person standing at the end of the three months wins the half million dollars so people think of reality as that like that's how you act in your real life and the circumstance i mean you don't even act in your real life how you act around your family during the holidays and you can escape from your family a little bit (laughs) yeah and so we have, like, I think the, that our culture has this idea of reality TV, and that's exactly who we are, and it's not. We're going, I went in, and I, I think everybody went in to do what they had to do to win half a million dollars, and as a competitor, my competitive spirit comes out, and you just, you really aren't your day-to-day self, um, and so the reality TV, even though it's not scripted, it definitely is not what you would do in your day-to-day. So Mm -hmm. no scripted um, for this show, Big Brother specifically, Mm -hmm. but there definitely is some underlying factors that I think that are very much overlooked. Like what? Um, You know, the fact that we go into the diary room and there we do talk to a producer. We don't see a producer, but they ask us questions. And in a house where you're trying, you know, you think that everybody's trying to get you, the questions kind of, can plant seeds of doubt, mystery, you know, it changes a lot. Um, the way that somebody acts may change your opinion of them. It just, it, it's bonkers. You're on constant spy alert <laughs> all the mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you, where you have the, you know, as, um, somebody, as the viewer, we have the luxury of having a conversation without 
feeling like everything that we say is analyzed, we don't have that luxury in the house. So there's these, these, these like, it's a pressure cooker. <laughs> yeah, it, it seems like it. And in fact, that was one of my questions. If you were force fed topics in that infamous diary room, because they sure get a lot of you crying. And, and I think it's maybe oh, sometimes yeah. prompted by the, the questions and topics that they cover. Um, yeah, there's a, well, I mean, it's emotional being away from your family, being locked in a house where you really only have, um, a little bit of room to roam and you're always with somebody else. You, you, you really, it does. It, it strips you open emotionally for sure. <laughs> now, now you speak about being in the house. It, I would go nuts in there with nothing to do. No TV, no books. I mean, how do you handle trying to occupy your day? You play the game. That is what it's designed to do. You have no other distraction other than to make relationships, manipulate relationships, figure out strategy. Um, like this is, this is that you're living in a chess game with, with people wow. and you don't know what they're doing. You have to look and analyze and sneak around and, you know, what you say may not be what you want to say, but you're saying it because you're in this predicament that you have to convince somebody something else. And so even, so the, the fact that there are no, like, you can't write, you can't read, you can't watch TV, there's no music, it really does make you 100% dialed in. And so you do lose your mind to, for nothing to do, but you also are completely immersed in playing this this very psychologically taxing game. (laughs) In fact, you touched on something I always wondered about. Um, You know, it's a game and people do what they need to do to win. And and you can respect some, some of the games people play to accomplish that goal. But you know, what, what, what always gets me when I watch the show is um, all the love boat syrupy stuff where people you've known for a hot second, you know, the people going, Oh, I love you. I love you. And, you know, especially after someone just did them dirty. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah. So it's, it's such a, this is kind of exactly what I'm saying is that like, it's people think that it's like exactly how you would be. Well, I've, I've broke down. So the thing is, is that like when you go in the house, you're stuck with these people 24 seven and like literally sharing the same room 24 seven. This isn't like you're on a cruise and you get to get away from anybody. Mm-hmm. And they, I'm telling you, Big Brother does such an amazing job with their psychological profiling. They know exactly who's going to click, who's going to clash, and how to stir it up. Mm-hmm. And so when you get in there, you meet people and you have this like chemistry immediately with the people, some of the people. And then you also have this like adversity with some of the people immediately. And it's a little daunting because you do connect quickly, even if you don't want to. And so there's this, you know, this was actually a big conflict in my season, the the definition, in my opinion, between leveraging personal relationships in the house where you just met everybody to gain game, um, you know, positions. And for me, as soon as I walked through those doors, no matter what happened, it was all game. It was all strategy where some people, they include more personal. Um, I mean, everybody has feelings like just because you're doing something that you don't want to do doesn't mean that you don't feel bad about it. Mm-hmm. And so there's this like complex situation where you really like care for somebody, but you're like, you got to go. <laughs> and um, it, it does create a little turmoil. The connection that people have so quickly is because of the 
the the way the house is designed mm-hmm. and the the psychological profile that CBS did. But at the end of the time, so I spent 12 weeks in the house. And if you think about that, with everybody that was there at the final six, with me, final five, um, if you're thinking about a work week, we spend 40 hours a week with the person that you're sitting next to, and you're not even, like, really fully engaged. So a work week would have brought us to an entire year. So basically what I'm saying is the entire time that I was in the house, so, for example, Nicole, Cody, and Enzo and I were there until the last time that I left. We had spent an entire work year together for the hours that we spent. Mm. Yeah. Gotcha. Think about yeah. That. Wow. And That's so mind boggling in itself. Right. These relationships happen fast and they're kind of furious and they're like really intense. But if we break down the hours spent and then you're in this really, like, really, like, very special situation together. And then you're having to trust each other. And when you have somebody's back and you have that trust. That trust runs deep, fast. Gotcha, gotcha. So okay, it really does like spawn a lot of relationships, friendships, and romantic. And I mean, Big Brother has a great success on marriage. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and um, in fact, that's my last Big Brother question. Fra- fans <laughs> wanted me to ask you about the Memphis Garrett connection. Yeah, um, you know, we we were just really close friends in the house. We became really close and you find the people that you, you understand a little bit more and maybe you don't have the same type of lifestyle or, or it doesn't make sense exactly, but it makes sense in the house and, and outside the house. So um, Memphis and I, we were just really close. We connected over being single parents, having a little boy each. And we were in the Alliance from the first week and he protected me. I protected him. And we had that trust in the house. And coming out of the house, you know, we just, we realized um, shortly after we were out of the house that we wanted to continue to hang out and have coffee together. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. You know, I mean. And are you still having coffee together? We are. Oh, good for you. Good for you. We're dating and it's just, it's incredible because we literally kind of reverse engineered this relationship where we were not even friends first. We were just like, okay, we're, we're like working together and then we became friends. And then, you know, that friendship just kind of kept growing and that connection kept growing. And, you know, when we came out of the house, we kind of looked around and said, um, you know, trust is something so valuable and not just like trusting you to do the right thing, but emotional trust mm. is something that I think a lot of people don't realize that when these show me has come out, that's, that's a big one that isn't really highlighted a lot is that I trust that he will never do anything intentionally to hurt me emotionally, which is huge. It's what it's all about, actually. So, yeah. yeah. Good, good. Well, thanks for sharing that. I don't, I didn't want to get too deep into your personal life, but I, I know it's been yeah. out there a little bit on some social media. Everybody and, kind of always is. So. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, thank you. So let's get You're back to welcome. let's get back to to something other than Big Brother. Um, so according to your website, you went from a reckless teenager smoking, drinking, and doing drugs to a top fitness and nutrition professional and influencer. And it, it, yeah. you know, according to that site, it's it, you credit some of that to the time you spent in Baghdad 
during Operation Iraqi Freedom and 2004 as a civilian contractor. And you mentioned there, um, and, and I'm, I, I fact-checked that, that this was accurate, so I'm hoping it is, but you oh, mentioned... Oh, I love that. Well done. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so you mentioned in there that uh, you had the scariest day of your life and how it put things into perspective. Can you tell us about that a little bit? Um, yeah, so I actually, funny story is that I was rejected by the military. They turned me away because I had so many health issues as a teenager. Um, and I've always wanted to serve the military. Um, I bet they're sorry and, now when they see the <laughs> <laughs> the powerhouse well, you are I, today. I don't know. I think that actually this worked out better for both of us. I get to do a lot more. And I did a lot more impacting things for the military. I felt like as a contractor. And I got to be on that first line of um, support for the military. So I gave logistic support to the military and State Department so they could do their job in Iraq. And that was my role. And honestly, I just, I went over um, not knowing anything. I just said yes to something and I didn't know what I was really saying yes to, which is actually kind of the start of all of my stories. <laughs> and... I I was literally in country, Baghdad, less than three weeks, and I was still smoking cigarettes, almost a pack a day. I was drinking because as a contractor, we had different rules. And we had incoming one morning, which meant like we got mortar rounds, so the camp got hit um, with mortar, uh, a few mortar rounds. And it just like jolted me out of the state of my mind at the time where I didn't really value my life the way that. I do now and I didn't have a lot of self-worth and so I had been making really bad decisions and, and in that moment I didn't like sit there and say this is what I'm going to do I know exactly what I want to do with the rest of my life I just knew in that moment like I thought we were I thought I was going to die and I said oh my god I don't want to die and all the decisions that I've been making have been so careless and reckless that if I do not change something right now, I will from my decision. And so I, I knew in that moment, I was like, this is, this is where my mantra spawned from is that every day you have the opportunity to change your life. And in that moment, I decided that I wanted something more for myself. I wanted something better and I deserved it. Even if I didn't believe I deserved it at the time, I, I decided that I did. And that literally changed every decision from then was like, is this going to be going to put me on the path that I know that I can be on? Or is this going to put me back to where I was basically actively suicidal by the decisions that I was making? And it, it, I'll tell you, I mean, by our conversation right now, us talking right now, it made significant impact and changes into everything. It changed everything. Well, that that's that's quite a story and I'm glad you came out, you know, in a positive uh of in a positive way from that. Just just a little bit on that. And again, these are reports, correct me if it's incorrect, but supposedly you have a gun tattoo on your hip to remind you of that time you spent in Iraq. Yeah, so that's kind of people are like, What in the world? Um, I do. I have a gun tattooed on my hip. I love to, so before I went to Iraq, I was like very anti-guns because I had never handled them and I didn't know about them. So when I went to Iraq, I had to learn how to take them apart, put them together, clean them, shoot, proper safety. And it's kind of like 
going through driver's class before you actually get to drive. I went through this safety course, this um, shooting course before I even shot a real gun. And for me, it just taught me so much more respect about the process and, and the, the act of it. And so when I went to Iraq, um, it was very important that we were always up to date on our shooting credentials. And it reminds me, one, that education is key. I know it sounds strange that my gun that too. Education is key and also like protect yourself and you are responsible for your own life. Everything that happens to you actually doesn't happen. You're an active participant to that situation. Mm. I, I love this uh, conversation because it, you're, you're impacting it here and there, even though you may not know it. <laughs> I'm asking about Big Brother <laughs> and there's a lesson in it. And I'm asking about Iraq and there's a lesson in it. And right now there's a, <laughs> I'm asking about a tattoo and there's a lesson in it. So this is really great. But, by the way, what is your philosophy behind your tattoos? I mean, I don't mean to go into every one, but do you have a certain philosophy about, uh, you know, what you're doing with that? You know, so I actually, my parents were bikers. And we grew up in a pretty um, interesting culture for the first part of my life, first few years. And so I just saw it as a normal part with, like, everybody had tattoos. And that was, like, my upbringing. So when I was 15, I wanted to get my first tattoo. And my mom said, okay, but this is what I want you to think about before you get a tattoo every single time is that explain that to your grandchildren. Mm. And, and it helped me navigate getting not getting all these like trendy tattoos. And so a tattoo for me really is just a part of the story that I want to tell. It doesn't define who I am right now because that's ever changing a little bit, but it does. I want to remember the story behind it and the honor behind it. And so that's kind of, I mean, the, the gun tattoo, a lot of people don't know the history of that. They just think that it was a really yeah. cool pistol. <laughs> um, but I, I get tattoos just because I want to mark that, that experience, not necessarily experience, but that philosophy. And, um, they hurt though. Like I'm, I think I might be retired from getting more. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm old enough. I don't need to do, I don't need to do things that are painful anymore. I've earned my keep. <laughs> <laughs> so so let's fast forward now you went on to compete professionally in the crossfit games usa weightlifting nationals and even made history as the first female pit crew member for nascar you got to tell us a little bit about nascar oh man nascar it's intense it's you oh man there's like such it's such a nerd sport to be honest <laughs> People think that it's just a whole bunch of, I mean, pardon me for being politically incorrect, but a whole bunch of rednecks watching cars go around. And I'm telling you, this is like such a technical sport where when we change tires, um, we, the average pit crew or pit stop is about, um, 13 seconds. A really, really fast one is 11 seconds. And when I hit lug nuts, so if you look at the, the car, the spokes, there's five lug nuts there, five spokes, and you have to hit it with this air wrench and it, you have to like punch through it. 
It's like punching through a concrete wall with every single lug nut that you hit Mm -hmm. and retracting it fast. And so you're hitting this thing five times. Well, in order to hit that five times at a NASCAR pit crew level, that's 1.2 seconds for all five of them. Mm -hmm. So I'm not talking about each one. You hit all five and you have one second to hit all five. Oh, my gosh. It's insane, right? It's insane. <laughs> so they actually have these sensors on the lug on the lug nuts. I mean, on the air wrench that you can tell how hard you hit it. Did you hit it all the way? Did you hit it halfway or part way? How much pressure did you hit it with? And how fast each one was? So if you are consistent with each one, it'll be like the same time in between. Or if you're kind of slow on the last one, it'll show that you um, kind of trailed off. And so every pit stop we would do, and by the way, that's one tire. So you have to take the lug nuts off, pull the tire, the tire carrier puts the tire on for you, and then you hit the lug nuts on, and then you go around to the other other side of the car and do that two more times, and then the car takes off, and that is done within 12 seconds. From oh start gosh. to finish. So what made you so, want to do that? <laughs> honestly, my friend called and was like, hey, you want to come play NASCAR for a day? And I thought we were going to drive. Uh-huh. And then I found out we were changing tires. And I got I got mad about it. Like, I didn't want to do it. And then I came out and I saw what they were doing. And I was like, that's what I want to do. So, like, here I am prejudging my experience before I actually have that experience. And... And it changed my life again. (laughs) Well, you know, something else. I didn't know what I was saying yes to. (laughs) (laughs) You are a a leap in the net will appear kind of gal. (laughs) Leap in the net (laughs) will appear. Um, Yeah. And if not, then, you know, I, if I crashed, then I crashed trying and I had a cool experience and a cool story to tell otherwise, but I definitely, um, don't, I mean, God will find a way. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, something, something worked out for you there again, because I know your foot was obliterated from an injury during Big Brother 19 and 2017. What did that mean yeah. for you competition wise? It, it meant that it was over. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, like, I fell into, competing because I like that wasn't I obviously wasn't um fit until my mid-20s and you know I loved it and it was it was really it crushed my soul it made I lost myself for a long time after that mm. and um because that was like my personal identity my self-worth I was like I've accomplished all these things through my ability to compete and then suddenly that was taken away I could go back to competing now but I don't have I don't want that consumption of my life Mm. you know I love the balance that I have with teaching my um, new fitness people on my app being present with my son a lot of the time and I just don't want to have that consume my life again because I get dialed in I get obsessive Mm -hmm. you have to at that level you do you can't and it's very selfish lifestyle. It's a very demanding lifestyle, not just from me, but from anybody in my life. And it, I'm glad that it, in a weird way, I'm glad that it happened because I would still be doing it. And I, I don't know if that would be 
entirely healthy for my mind uh, and spirit to continue that much longer. Mm -hmm. But here again, you recycled, so to speak. You had a national bestseller book, Badass Body Diet, and a second (laughs) book, Badass Life. So here you go again. And, you know, I'm glad you mentioned your son because I have to tell you, Christmas, on your site, there is the most glowing picture of you with loyal and it just it takes your breath away and i i know you even describe yourself on on some social media as mama coach life lover activator but mama's first and i love that <laughs> and uh to that point uh one of one of your fans wanted to know how do you find time for yourself in fitness as a full-time mom uh, well, you know, my answer is going to be a little different than probably what the everyday person is looking for because my, I teach, like I have an online app. And so I literally film my, I, I film full length workouts, not just a part of a workout and send you random programming. I do full length workouts. We do full length cooking shows. We do mindset. I do, um, you know, a, a lot like nutrition education in my app. And so that's, it's literally my job. Now that I'm not a professional athlete, I am a professional athlete for my app. <laughs> and when COVID happened, because he had just started daycare when right before COVID happened. And so he was really only in daycare for a few months. And I had been working on this new platform. And so he came back home. And I was like, okay, I can't stop this platform. I have to still work. And I'm a full-time mom, so I'm, like, double duty. And I just would, like, work out while he napped. And if he didn't nap or whatever, he woke up early, I just brought – he's actually – he does a lot of cameos in my videos. <laughs> but I also use them in my workouts. We do this together. So I encourage a lot of my moms and dads that are like, oh, I can't find my time. Your time is really important, but I get my personal time when he goes to sleep. Um, or right before in the morning when he wakes up, I like to wake up a little bit early and get my personal time in. But when, when the, the daytime, he's my number one and I include him. Like I do the workout system. Am I going to PR with him standing right there? Most likely not. Am I still moving? Yes. Does that benefit my day? Yes. So, and he sees his mom working out. So he, he actually does like squats and burpees too. It's really cute. <laughs> And I pick him up as like a kettlebell. I use him as a weight in my workout. And he loves it. He has a great time. So I encourage parents to incorporate their kids in the in the workout and not like, I'm not talking about like training them, but like let them know that they're invited to come and hang out. And if they want to do their version of it, they can. And it's just the more that we can include the family versus like this is my separation, the better I feel like the stronger the family becomes. Um, so, so what do you think you've learned about yourself as a mother? <laughs> Patience. <laughs> Patience. <laughs> okay. That's, that's, that's go no further. I hear you. I hear you. Also, now, I one mean, really, go I, ahead. I really want, I want to expand on that a little bit more is that I really believe I learned a lot about the quality of what I'm doing. And I do a lot less now. I basically have like one project at a time and then my app. And then like, I just, I want to make sure that when I am with my son, I'm mentally and emotionally present. I'm not on my phone. 
I don't take calls after 3 p.m. I don't, you know, I don't take calls on, you know, these on the weekends. And I have a restricted, what would be considered a restricted work schedule, but I have an amazing family schedule. And so I literally make a lot less now than I have been before, but my life is so much more fulfilling and I'm happier than I've ever been. So that quality of life is super high with, with being more present as a, as a person. But first of all, mom. Great. So, so we're, our time's almost up here. So I'm going to ask you some quick bullet kind of things. Um, Ooh, yeah, that's you... fire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's about it. <laughs> and, and some of them are tough because, you know, okay, I do well, feel. Okay, well, give me a second to think sometimes. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I, I do feel, and I know, you know, people that follow you and, and, and know of your life and et cetera, athletes to just the common person find you as an inspiration. So, and I know, you know, you, you talk about sharing your experiences so you can help people accomplish goals with less trauma and mistakes than you had. Um, and, and part of that is building people's confidence. So here comes a couple bullets at you. Can you give us three powerful tips for building confidence? Right on your mirror, your mirror in the bathroom, Mm -hmm. right? Like your a mantra, whatever it is that gets you fired up every single time. I put on my, I have five daily tips or five daily habits that remind me of what to do every day. But also I put like in my head for the longest time, I lied to myself. (laughs) (laughs) And I would tell myself, I was like, you're the baddest fish here. You're the baddest fish here. (laughs) And like that internal conversation exudes confidence like it creates that confidence we change our mindset so write something on your mirror put that mantra in your head and take the leap you don't have to know how it's going to end you can fail but what i talk about successful failures is if you learn something from it that's a successful failure and i think true failure in my opinion is just quitting or not even getting started Okay. I don't know if that was three, but there you go. There you go. <laughs> they were powerful, so we'll take them. We won't count okay. them. <laughs> what about finding one's purpose? How does someone find their life's purpose? Try new things. You have to, like, people sit there and they want to know their purpose, but they're unwilling to get off their couch and out of their house. Try new things. Pick up something and try it a few times to know if you like it. And that curiosity really does create a passion and when passion creates purpose so go try some new stuff man get scared about it Mm -hmm. (laughs) like do things that scare you Mm -hmm. (laughs) i like it i like it um okay and we're almost going to wrap here anything that i haven't covered that fans may not know about you well probably mostly I, what i covered they knew so you got anything <laughs> that somebody doesn't know about christmas abbott um man i don't know i just uh i i'm ju- i i feel like i'm just people i'm literally the everyday person that said yes and tried something new over and over and over again. And that's why I have the very unique and exceptional experiences. Um, and through that, I feel like I, I've become a more unique and exceptional. But literally, I was like the everyday person. And I said yes to things that I just tried it. Let's try it. 
mm-hmm. create your own create your own um opportunities. Okay, the name Christmas. Good, bad, yeah. or ugly. Do you ever regret your parents named you that? Or has it been a positive? Not not one moment ever. I love my, my middle name is Joy. And um little backstory here is that my mom had a really difficult pregnancy with me. She almost miscarried me several times. And she was on, um, you know, uh, bed rest. And, uh, you know, she I, I was supposed to be Jessica Brooke. And when I was born, she said Christmas Joy. And so I love my name. It really does resonate with what I found my purpose to be. Okay, great. And uh, and thanks for sharing that story, too. Um, yeah. So let's see here. Um, okay, I think we should wrap up now, but I want to close with, you know, we've talked about your, your fitness app, and we never got to the clean workout nutritional product line. Do you want to tell <laughs> us a little bit about that as well as include where folks can uh, learn more? Absolutely. Thank you. Um, so I've taken the last 15, 17 years of experience and education, and I've put it into my platform, christmasfitness.com. And what I love is that you can download this, download it on your TV, your computer, and your app on any phone. And it has full-length workout videos. It has mindset, nutrition education, and full-length recipe videos. And I'm literally just putting new content into this every single month. It's um, $39 a month subscription so you can join or cancel anytime. I don't want to keep you on the hook. I just want to give you guys complete access to all of the things that I have experienced and known. Um, and, and honestly, we have a blast. I call them my rebels because we're breaking all the rules <laughs> and it has like a Facebook group. I mean, this is a very incredible, powerful community. And what I love specifically is that a lot of people come for aesthetic changes and you get that. But you also get that emotional mindset change as well. And it changes everybody's lives for the better. I mean, some of these incredible stories are, it, they, they get me choked up almost every week. Um, and so all of my information can be found at the christmasfitness.com site. And people can still look for your, your two books, right? Yeah. The two books um, are out at Barnes and Noble. I'm working on a cookbook that should be coming out late summer. Ooh. And yeah. I'm glad you mentioned that so folks can yes. be looking for that. I am really, really excited about it. And I honestly, I have so much fun with my Rebels on my app that it, it I can't even believe this is my life. Like, <laughs> <laughs> we have a great time. Well, that's what a lucky thing to be able to say. I can't believe this is my life. Um, yeah. So maybe we'll just close on that. What's the day looking at for you like the rest of the day, Christmas? What are you going to do? I'm actually filming for my app. I, I film the week workout a few days before. So it's, it's all current and like real experiences. And I know I get feed, direct feedback from my rebels, so I'm actually gonna film some sweaty workouts oh. <laughs> and then cuddle my baby. We have a date later tonight. Oh, there <laughs> you go. That sounds so awesome. Um, yeah. Are you still? Uh, are you doing that out of North Carolina? I'm currently in Florida. Okay. I'm currently in Florida. I came down here. This is where Loyal's dad lived, and one of his grandmothers. 
And so I just got a lot more family support here. Mm-hmm. And it's really nice. We have a very non-traditional co-parenting, modern day family dynamic going on. Well, it's good to be able to work out those dynamics, that's for sure. It, it really is. We have a great co-parenting relationship, and I'm really uh, grateful for that. Well, listen, thank you so much for, for being here and all the inspiration you've shared, and we'll continue to. And people look for your don't listeners out there, look forward to that cookbook and go now to the site to get everything else that Christmas is offering because, you know, just like her, you can change your life. Thank you so much for having me and inviting me on. I appreciate it. Now it's time for our nonprofit spotlight. Give Kids the World. This is a nonprofit organization in Florida that exists only to fulfill the wishes of critically ill children and their families from around the world to experience a memorable, joyful, cost-free visit to Central Florida's attractions and to enjoy the magic of Give the Kids the World Village, for as long as there is a need. The Village is an 89-acre resort with 166 villa accommodations, unique entertainment attractions, whimsical venues, and fun activities for children of all abilities. The group partners with over 250 wish-granting organizations around the globe that identify children with life-threatening illness whose one desire is to visit Florida's popular attractions. The group fulfills the week-long vacation by providing accommodations, donated attraction tickets, meals, and much more. Since 1986, the group has welcomed more than 176,000 families from all 50 states and 76 countries. To volunteer or donate, go to gktw.org. Well, it's time to high-five and say goodbye Check us on all major platforms or our website, triangle411.buzzsprout.com, to hear everything you need to know about the COVID-19 vaccine, behind-the-scenes happenings at Shark Tank, Big Brother, and HGTV, and helpful tips for working moms, especially those turned online teachers. I'm Mary Innsbrucker for Triangle 411. Today, dot, 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 empower yourself and others.